So, I wanted to go over this dope book, man. It's really a lot of gold when just reading this book alone. And so, it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a classic book right here. This is one of the most asked for book in the world. And I can see why. It's, it's a great book. It's an amazing book. So I kind of wanted to go over some key points. So let's just jump right into it. Um, we're going to talk about the first key point. Which is don't criticize, condemn, or complain. So B.F. Skinner, the world famous psychologist, proved that his experience that an animal rewarded for good behavior will learn much more rapidly and retain what it learns from more effectively than an animal punished for bad behavior. Later studies have shown that the same applies to humans. By criticizing, we do not make lasting changes and often incur resentment. So, I mean, it's an interesting point to learn. I mean, a lot of times you see all rub the dog's face in the pee, but that never works because they end up doing it again and they end up resenting you for it. And so, you know, that was a quick summer up of that, that um, point. But it definitely helps me get a better understanding on that. The next one is um, give honest and sincere appreciation. So there is nothing else that kills the ambition of a person as criticizing, criticism from superiors. I never criticize anyone. I believe in the giving of a person incentive to work. So I'm anxious to praise below the fine fault. If I like anything, I'm hearty in my probation and lavish in my praise. Carnegie wanted to praise his assistants even on his tombstone. He wrote an epitaph. Um, for himself which read here lies one of who knew how to get around him men who were cleverer than himself even in the death and even in the grave and um point of this one is, is showing sincere appreciation can change a person's life he reported that a year ago a teacher in Detroit asked Stevie Morris to help her find a mouse that was lost in a classroom. You see, she appreciated the fact that nature had given Stevie something no one else in the room had. Nature had given Stevie a remarkable pair of ears to compensate for his blind eyes. But this was really the first time Stevie had been shown appreciation for those talented ears. Now years later, he says that the act of appreciation was the beginning of a new life. You see, from the time on developing his gift of hearing and went on to become under the stage name of Stevie Wonder, one of the greatest pop singers, songwriters of the 70s. Baby. So if you want to know the power of sincere appreciation, that's the power. Next point. I could just skip to it. It is arousing others in eager wants. Eleven of twelve banks invited to be interviewed. She had a choice of which banks offered to accept. Why Mrs. Anderson did not state what she wanted, but wrote the letter how she could help them and focus on their wants, not her own. 
The world is full of people who are grabbing and self-seeking, so the rare individual who unselfishly tries to serve others has an enormous advantage. He has little competition. If you out of reading this book, you get just one thing. It is an increased tendency to think always in terms of other people's point of view and see things from their angle. If you get one thing out of this book, it was easily proved to be one of the building blocks of your career. To arouse in others an eager want. Next point is um, becoming genuinely interested in the other person. Let me repeat that. You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. True that, man. People want to talk about themselves, you know. When you see a group of photograph that you are in, whose picture do you look for first? Your own, right? And that's the same thing for everybody else arouse in others be interested genuinely in other people i'm telling you he said the same things your preacher would tell you but remember you have to be interested in people if you want to be successful writer of stories you have to be interested in people to to just win more people win more hearts win more friends you know you want to talk about themselves people like when you're interested in them just like you like when people are interested in you the same thing for other people Genuine interest in other people is the most important quality for a salesperson to possess, for any person for that matter. If you want to make friends, let's greet people with animation and enthusiasm. When somebody calls you on the telephone, use the same psychology. Say hello in a tone that bespeak how pleased you are have that person call. Many companies train their telephone operators to greet all callers in a tone of voice that radiates interest and enthusiasm. The caller feels the company is concerned about them. Let's remember that when we answer the telephone tomorrow. I would like to know how much I appreciate your staff. Everyone is courteous, polite, and helpful. What a pleasure it is after waiting a long line to have the teller greet you pleasantly. Stuff like that. That's an example, a good example of you know showing interest in other people to me that was almost a miracle here he was offering to buy a fuel without my even suggesting it i had more headway in two hours by becoming genuinely interested in him and his problem than i could have been in 10 years trying to get him interested in my me and my product a little aftermath of a certain scenario that played out in this book next one smile baby Charles Schwab told me his smile had been worth a million dollars and he was probably understanding the truth for Schwab's personality his charm his ability to make people like him were almost wholly responsible for his extraordinary success and one of the most delightful factors in his personality was his captivating smile actions speak louder than words and smile says I like you you make me happy I'm glad to see you man without a smiling face must not open a shop. Side note. <laughs> Next one. Remember the person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. So the story in here that tells about um, a man who greeted another man by his full name. And so it goes like this. Good morning after 
Good moon. Good afternoon, Mr. Nicodemus. Nicodemus Papadopoulos. He was shocked. For what seemed like several minutes, there was no reply from him at all. Finally, he said, with tears rolling down his cheek, "Mr. Levy, in all of 15 years I've been in this country, nobody has ever made an effort to call me by my right name." What was the reason for Andrew Carnegie's success? He was called the Steel King, yet he himself knew little about the manufacture of steel. He had hundreds of people working for him, and he knew far more than steel than he did. But he knew how to handle people, and it has made him rich. The next one is be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. That kept her talking for 40 minutes she never again asked me where I had been so an example as we sat down on the sofa she remarked that she and her husband had recently returned from a trip to Africa I exclaimed how interesting I've always wanted to see Africa but I never got there except for 20 hours late say once in Al Alligers tell me did you visit the big game country yes how fortunate I have you do tell me about Africa that kept her talking for 45 minutes. She never again asked me where I had been or what I had seen. She didn't want to hear me talk my travels. All she wanted was an interested listener so she can expand her ego and tell about where she had been. Pretty much everybody. Remember, the people you are talking to are a hundred times more interested in themselves and their wants and problems than they are in you and your problems. A person's toothache means more to that person than a famine in China which kills a million people. A boil on one's neck interests one more than 40 earthquakes in Africa. Think of the next time you start a conversation. Cool, but it's true. You know what I mean? That's just a fact of the matter. Principle five, talk in terms of the other person's interest. So let me pull up an example. Because he is a gentleman, he saw you were interested in boats, and he talked about the thing he knew would interest and please you. He made himself agreeable. That's just using an example of a man who just was having a conversation with one another and trying to find something that interested the other person. You know? Talk in terms of the other person's interests. Got to. in order to get them to like you at least. Principle six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. He looked up half startled, his face beaming with smiles. Well, it isn't as good as it used to be, he said modestly. So let me take this back. What is there about him that I can honestly admire? Says a man who's trying to just find some to, to give a compliment to a stranger. This is something a hard question to answer, especially with strangers, but in this case, it happened to be an easy. I instantly saw something I admired in this person, no end. So while he was weighing my envelope, I remarked with enthusiasm, I certainly wish I had a head of hair like yours. He looked up, half startled, the other man said. It was. His face beaming with smile, well, it isn't as good as it used to be. He said modestly, I assured him that although it might have lost some of its prestige glory, nevertheless, it was still magnificent. He was immensely pleased. We carried on a pleasant little conversation. The last thing he said to me was, many people have admired my hair. I bet that person went out to lunch that day and walked on there. I bet he went home that night and told his wife about it. I bet he looked in the mirror and said, it's a beautiful head of hair. 
Make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Little things like that can and will make a difference. Don't take my advice. Take Dale Carnegie's advice. This is where I'm getting it from. Next principle. The only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. You can't win an argument. You can't because if you lose it, you lose it. And if you win it, you lose it. Why? Well, suppose you triumph over the other man and shoot his argument full of holes and prove that he is non-compos mentis. Then what? You still you will feel fine, but what about him? You've made him feel inferior and you have hurt his pride. You, he will resent your triumph. And a man convinced against his will is, a, is of the same opinion still. Boom. Next principle. Show respect for the other person's opinions. Never say you're wrong. Well, I can't hope to be a smart, smarter than Socrates, so I have quite telling people that I quit telling people that they are wrong, and I find that it pays if a person, if a person makes a statement that you think is wrong. Yes, even though you know it's wrong, isn't it better to begin by saying, "Well, now look, I thought otherwise, but I may be wrong." Little side tip. None, whatever I kept on watching, gradually began to ask questions as why certain pieces were not satisfactory. I didn't for one instant insinuate that the inspector was wrong. I emphasized that my that my only reason for asking was in order that we could give his firm exactly what they wanted in future shipments. Martin Luther King was asked how a pacifist he could be an admirer of Air Force General Daniel Chappie James, then the nation's highest ranking black officer, Dr. King, replied, I judge people by their own principles, not by my own. Show respect for the other person's opinion. Never say you're wrong. A little bit a uh, different one, but in the examples I was giving, just basically the man was trying to see from the other person's point of view, obviously, and just ask questions to where... You're not proving the other person wrong, and you're respecting you're respecting what they're doing. And now, when it was an inspector saying that some of the the product was wrong, and he knew it wasn't wrong, he knew the inspector was was um, wasn't expecting it right. So instead of saying he was wrong, he just kept questioning, kept going with it, kept watching him, let him do his thing, and was just. You know, as he was doing it, just seeing how he was doing it and why he was doing it that way. And um, just talking with the person. And before you knew it, he was doing it wrong and he never had to tell him himself. The guy found out himself and he had admitted it to him. If you are wrong, admit it quickly and empathetically. That's the next point.
If we know we are going to be rebuked anyhow, isn't it far better to beat the other person to it and to do it ourselves? Isn't it much easier to listen to self-criticism than to bear condemnment from alien lips? Man, you know how it is. So there's a story in here that I kind of like. And it's um, about a man... I frequently walked in the park, says this man, with Rex, my little Boston Bulldog. He was a friendly, harmless little hound, and since we rarely met anyone in the park, I took Rex along without a leash and a muzzle. One day, we encountered a mounted policeman in the park, policeman itching to show his authority. What do you mean by letting your dog run loose in the park without a muzzle and leash? He reprimanded me. Don't you know it's against the law? Yes, I know it is, I replied softly, but I don't think he would do any harm out here. You, you didn't think? You didn't think? The dog doesn't give a tinker's damn about what you think. That dog might kill a squirrel. Or bite a child. Now I'm going to let you off this time. But if I catch this dog out here again without a muzzle and a leash, you'll have to tell it to the judge. I meekly promised to obey, and I did obey for a few times. But Rex didn't like the muzzle, and neither did I. So we decided to take a chance. Everything was lovely for a while, then we struck a snag. Rex and I raced over the bro brow of a hill one afternoon, and there suddenly, to my dismay, I saw majesty of the law stride a bay horse. Rex was out in front, heading straight for the officer. I was in for it. I knew it. So I didn't wait until the policeman started talking. I beat him to it. I said, officer, you've caught me. Red handy. I'm guilty. I've no ab libs, no excuse. You warned me last week that I brought my dog out here again. Without a muzzle, you'd find me. Well, now, the policeman responded in a fine tone. I know it's a temptation to let the little dog like that have a run out here when nobody's around. Sure, it's a temptation, I replied. But it's against the law. Well, a little dog like that isn't going to do any harm, anybody, the policeman remonstrated. No, but he, but he may kill squirrels, I said. Well, now, I think you're taking this a bit too seriously, he told me. i tell you what you do. You just let him run over the hill where I can't see him and we'll forget all about it. The policeman, being human, wanted a feeling of importance. So when I began to condemn myself, the only way he could nourish his self-esteem was to make the magnanimous attitude of showing mercy. Bam. I love that example. I had to say the whole thing because... I think that was a perfect example if you're wrong admit it quickly and empathetically and see where it takes you next principle begin in a friendly way begin in a friendly way if a man heart is rankling with discord and ill feeling toward you you can't win him to your way of thinking with all logic and Chrysanthemum, scolding parents and domineering bosses and husbands and nagging wives ought to realize that people don't want to change their mind. They can't be forced to driven to agree with you or me, but they may possibly be led to if we are gentle and friendly, ever so gently and ever so friendly. (laughs) 
I walked over the showroom and I asked to see agency owner Mr. White after a short wait. I was ushered into Mr. White's office. I introduced myself and explained to him that I had bought my car from the dealership because of the recommendation of a friend who had previous dealings with him. I was told that his prices were very competitive and his service was outstanding. He smiled with satisfaction as he listened to me. Then I explained the problem I was having with the service department. I thought you might want to be aware of the situation. Might tarnish your fine reputation, I added. He thanked me for calling to this his attention, assured me that my problem would be taken care of. Not only did he personally get involved, but he also lent me his car to use while mine was being repaired. The friendly approach and appreciation can make people change their minds more readily than all the bluster and storming, storming in the world. Remember when Lincoln said, drop a honey catches more flies than a gallon of gal. I remember somebody telling me that too. One time at work and I... And I was always wondering where they got it from. It was from Lincoln. Get the other person saying yes, yes, immediately. Next principle. In talking with people, don't begin by discussing the things on which you defer. Begin on emphasizing and keep on emphasizing things on which you agree. People. He asked questions with, with the opponent would have to agree. He kept on whining one admission after winning until he had an armful of yeses. The next time we are, he kept on asking questions until finally almost without realizing his opponent found themselves embracing a conclusion they might have bitterly denied a few minutes previously. The next time we are tempted to tell someone he or she is wrong, let's remember old Socrates and ask a gentle question. A question that will get the yes, yes response. The Chinese have a proverb pregnant with the age-old wisdom of the Orient. He who treads softly goes far. They have spent 5,000 years studying human nature, these cultured Chinese, and they have garnered a lot of perspicuity. He who treads softly goes far. Perspicuity. I can't say it. It's P-E-R-S-P-I-C-A-C-I-T-Y. Sorry for my... um, bad language skills I guess bad English skills next point let the other person do a great deal of the talking which kind of goes into the other and the other points that we were kind of going over like the more the other person talks the more they're going to like you than if they if you talk more than them people want to people love the sound of their voice and they love feeling like they are important and they are interesting and they love people who are interested in what they do because you know we all love that next point let the other person feel that the idea is his or hers let them feel like they're his or hers I'm gonna skip give an example of that one and move on to the next try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view um, so this is a good example right here
uh, man, he's trying to convince these boys about um, not lighting fires in the woods. So, he didn't want to give orders. He wanted to try a different approach. So, he walked up to these group of boys. Having a good time, boys. What are you going to cook for supper? I loved to build fires myself when I was a boy, and I still love it. But you know, it's very dangerous here in the park. I know you boys don't mean to do any harm, but other boys aren't so careful. They come along and they see you have a built a fire, so they build one and don't put it out when they get home and it spreads among the dry leaves and kills the trees. We won't have any trees here at, at all if we aren't more careful. You could be put in jail for building this fire, but I don't want to be bossy and interfere with your pleasure. I like to see you enjoy yourselves, but won't you please rake all the leaves away from the fire right now and you'll be careful to cover it with dirt a lot of dirt before you leave won't you and the next time you won't have you want to have some fun won't you please build your fire over the hill here in the sand pit it can't do any harm there thanks so much boys have a good time bam try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view he tries looking at their point of view rather than just trying to say, oh, don't do that. Because most people don't care when you say, oh, don't do that just because don't do that. Nah, they want to have fun. He knew that. So he was trying to appeal to their, their, their point of view. Next principle. Be sympathetic with the other person's ideas and desires. Wouldn't you like to have a magic phase that would stop arguments, eliminate ill feelings, create goodwill, make the other person listen attentively? Yes? Alright, here it is. I don't blame you, one oughta for feeling as you do. If I were you, I would undoubtedly feel just as you do. Bam. Be sympathetic with the other person's desires. Quick one, I would just ran through. Next, appeal to the nobler motives. So a man was wished for the newspaper photographers to stop from snapping pictures of his children. He too appealed to the nobler motives. He didn't say, I don't want those pictures published. No, he applied to the desire deep in all of us to refrain from harming children. He said, you know how it is. Boys, you've got children yourselves. Some of you, and you know it's not good for youngsters to get too much publicity. Boom the change in phrase he's appealing to nobler motives not only in himself but to other people not just saying don't do that because that's not a nobler motive and it's not going to really appeal to them as much oh don't take pictures of my kids no they're not going to give a damn <laughs> next point is dramatizing your ideas just like they do in the movies dramatize your ideas more interesting people are more appealing when you dramatize it which I should be using that right now but I'm not too dramatized 
And that's why I'm reading this so I can learn better. So we can both learn better. Next principle. Throw down a challenge. So... Charles Schwab had a million a male manager whose people weren't producing their quota at work. How is it Schwab asked him that a manager as capable as you can't make his mill turn out what it should? I don't know, the manager replied. I've coaxed of the men, I've pushed them, I've sworn, I cussed, I threatened them with damnation and being fired, but nothing works. They just won't phase they just won't produce. The conversation took place at the end of the day, just before the night shift came. Schwab asked the manager for a piece of chalk. They turned to the nearest man and asked, How many heats did your shift make today? Six. Without another word, Schwab chalked a big figure six on the floor. He walked away. When the night shift came in, they saw the six and asked what it meant. The big boss was in here today. The day people said he asked us how many heats we made. And we told him six. He chalked it on the floor. The next morning, Schwab walked through the mill again. And the night shift had rubbed out the six and replaced it with the big seven. When the day shift reported for work the next morning, they saw a big seven chalked on the floor. So the next shift night, they were better than the day shift. They day. So the ne- night shift thought they were better than the day shift, did they? Well, we would show the night shift a thing or two. The crew pitched in with enthusiasm. And when they... They quit that night. They left behind them an enormous swaggering ten. Things were stepping up. Shortly, this mill, which had been lagging way behind the production, was turning out more work than any other mill in the plant. The principal let Charles Schwab says in his own words, "They way to get things done," says Schwab, "is to stimulate competition." It's always very stimulating when you throw down a good challenge. quick challenge next principle begin with praise and honest appreciation it's always easier to listen to unpleasant things after we have heard some praise of our good points yes the next point, call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. This could be easily overcome by changing the word but to end. We're really proud of you, Johnny, for raising your grades and this term in your grades this term and by continuing the same conscientious effort next term your algebra grade can be up with the others rather than the previous where they were said we are really proud of you Johnny for raising your grades this term but if you had worked harder on your algebra the result would have been better now which one sounds better Charles Schwab was passing through one of his steel mills one day at noon when he came across some of his employees smoking, immediately above their heads was a sign that said no smoking. Did Schwab point to the sign and say, can you read? Oh, no, not Schwab. He walked over to the men, handed each one a cigar and said, I appreciate it, boys, if you will smoke those on the outside. They knew that he knew that Hay had broken a rule and he, they admired him because he said nothing about it. He gave them a little present and made them feel important. Couldn't keep from loving a man like that, could you? 
perfect example. Next one, talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. It isn't nearly so difficult to listen to a rectal of your faults if the person criticizing begins by humbling admitting that he too is far from impeccable. Next principle, ask questions instead of giving orders. technique like that makes it easy for a person to correct errors. A technique like that saves a person's pride and gives him or her a feeling of importance. Encourage cooperation instead of rebellion. You might consider don't do this or don't do that. He would say you might consider this or do you think that would work. Frequently he would say after he had dictated a letter what do you think of this. In looking over a letter of one of his assistants he would say maybe if we were to phrase it this way it would be better he always gave people the opportunity to do things themselves he never told his assistant to do things he let them do them let them learn from their mistakes next point let the other person save face years ago general electric company was faced with the delicate task of removing charles steinmetz from the head of the department Steinmetz, a genius of his first magnitude when it came to electricity was a failure as the head of the calculating department yet the company didn't dare offend the man he was an indispensable and highly sensitive so they gave him a new title they made him consulting engineer of general electric company a new title for work he was already doing and let somebody else head up the department Statements was happy. So were the officers of GE. They had gently maneuvered their most temperamental star and they had done it without a storm by letting him save face. Save face. It's a different phrase that I'm not used to, but it's always good to have good examples so that to see what, what it really means. Next principle. Praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. Be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise. I will skip that one. I feel it's pretty self-explanatory for me. Next one I want to talk of is give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. Bill, he said, you're a fine mechanic. This is a man who's been underperforming. So he had a meeting with him and now he's going to conversate with the man. You're a fine mechanic. You have been in the line of work for a good number of years. You have repaired many vehicles with customer satisfaction. In fact, we have had a number of compliments about the good work you have done. Yet of late, the time you take to complete each job has been increasing and your work has not been up to your own old standards. Because you have been such an outstanding mechanic in the past, I felt sure you would want to know that I am not happy with the situation and perhaps strongly we could find some way to correct the problem. Bill responded that he hadn't realized he had been falling down in his duties and assured his boss that the work he was getting was not out of his range of expertise and he would try to improve in the future. Did he do it? You can be sure he did. He once again became the fast and thorough mechanic. With the reputation Mr. Henke had given him to live up to, how could he do anything else but turn out to work comparable to which he had done in the past? Give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. I like that one. That's probably one of my favorites. Next principle. 
use encouragement to make the fault make the fault seem easy to correct. I first started 20 years ago taking dance lessons. The first teacher I engaged probably told me the truth. She said I was all wrong. I would just have to forget everything and begin all over again, but it took the heart out of me. I had no incentive to go on, so I quit her. The next teacher may have been lying, but I liked it. She said nonchalantly that my dancing was a little bit old-fashioned, perhaps, but the fundamentals were all right, and she assured me I wouldn't have any trouble learning a few new steps. The first teacher had discouraged me by emphasizing my mistakes. This new teacher did the opposite. She kept praising the things I did right and minimizing my errors. You have a natural sense of rhythm, she assured me. You really are a natural-born dancer. Now, my common sense tells me that I always have been and always will be a fourth-rate dancer, yet... Deep in my heart, I still like to think that maybe she meant it. To be sure, I was paying her to say it, but what? why bring it up? At any rate, I know I'm a better dancer than I would have been if she hadn't told me. I had a natural sense of rhythm that encouraged me, that gave me hope, that made me want to improve. Tell your child, your spouse, or your employee that he or she is stupid or dumb at a certain thing, has no gift for it, and is doing it all wrong, and you have destroyed almost every incentive to try to improve. But use the opposite technique. Be liberal with your encouragement. Make things seem easy to do. Let the other person know that you have faith in his ability to do it. And he has an undeveloped flair for it. And he will practice until the dawn comes in the window in order to excel. Use encouragement. Make the uh, fault seem easy to correct. Next, make the other person happy about doing the things you suggest. Back in 1915, America was aghast. For more than a year, the nations of Europe had been slaughtering one another on a scale never before dreamed in the bloody annals of mankind. Could never before dreamed of could peace be brought about. No one knew, but Woodrow Wilson was determined to try. He would send a personal representative, peace emissary, to counsel with the warlords of Europe, William Jennings Bryan, Secretary of State Bryan, the peace advocate long to go. He saw a chance to perform a great service and make his name immortal. But Wilson appointed another man, his intimate friend and adversary, Colonel Edward M. House. And it was House's thorny task to break the unwelcome news to Brian without giving him offense. Brian was distinctively disappointed when he heard it was I was to go to Europe as the peace emissary. Colonel House records in his diary he said that he had planned to do it himself. So I replied the president thought it would be unwise for anyone to do this officially and that his going would attract a great deal of attention and people would wonder why he was there. You see that intimation house practically told brian that he was too important for the job and brian was satisfied colonel house adroit experienced in the ways of the world was following one of the important rules of human relations always make the other person happy about doing things you suggest so quick summer up quick summary of the book hope you enjoyed it let me know what you get out of this let me know what else you want to hear let me know everything and anything that could make anything better let me know what book you want me to read 
let me know what you want me to dive in deeper on if I didn't dive in enough things deeper on what I did wrong what I did right everything don't hold back hope you enjoyed have a great day out